Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flatland Fiction Podcast. My name is Brian Wheeler, and I'm the guy who writes these stories of science fantasy, fiction, and of horror. This is episode 14 of the podcast, and this episode will feature the story, Opal, Is That You? Um, the entire story should be able to fit into this single podcast. Um, I would like to, as always, encourage people to visit my official website at www.flatlandfiction.com. On that website, you can find many of my shorter stories free of charge of any kind for your viewing in a PDF file format. You will also find at that website the past episodes of the podcast, You'll kind of like an archives. So if you have missed any or if you're just now discovering this podcast, you can go back and catch up with the other episodes and the other stories we have thus far um, gone through during uh, these readings. Um, once again, I would like to encourage anyone who enjoys these podcasts to think about offering some support uh, to my writing efforts in, um, in several ways. First of all, at my official website, you will find pages to my longer ebook novels. These novels are titled Mr. Hancock's Signature, The Sisters Will Dance, The Light Floats Slowly, and Fallen Stardust. These are novels of like paranormal suspense and of science fiction. At my official website, you will find on the pages devoted to each ebook novel sample chapters that you can download and view to see if the story captures your attention. If the story does get your attention, please consider following the links included at my website to uh, such retailers like Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and uh, think about purchasing those eBooks for uh, the cost of three dollars. Again, it's my goal to eventually attract some readership and some attention so that I can attract uh, some um, some uh, attention to get my work published in more traditional print formats that a lot of people still really cherish. So this is an ongoing process and any kind of support would really help me out. At my official website I also have buttons at the top of many pages that give you the opportunity to donate some money to my writing cause. Um, these donations can range anywhere from $1.50 to however much more you may decide to give. It's entirely up to you. Um, the the minimum $1.50 charge is the lowest amount that I can type into the service that I am that I am employing to call for some donations. Um, you might decide after you listen to 10 podcasts and you read two short stories that that's worth a donation of $5. You might decide that one podcast is worth $10. You might decide that listening to 30 podcasts is worth $1.50. The idea is that it's completely up to you. So if you're interested in making any kind of monetary donation, as you would say a public pledge drive for Channel 9 or some kind of public, uh, public channel like that, that's kind of what this is. It's just kind of a way to offer some support if you would like to. Now, if you don't feel comfortable um, in either purchasing one of my eBooks for $3 or sending a monetary donation through my website, um, you can support me in ways other than by sending me money. Uh, you can also send me some kind of feedback, some kind of letter, some kind of constructive criticism, any kind of review, whether it's to a story or one of those ebook novels or to one of these podcasts. You can send that kind of information to letters at flatlandfiction.com. That's, that, that's my email address. 
Um, I always really enjoy hearing from people. It really kind of recharges my batteries to know that people are out there listening to my stories. Um, lately, I've noticed that I've gotten some thumbs up on some uh, sites like Stitcher and SoundCloud where my podcast is hosted. So that really puts a smile on my face. So again, don't don't feel like if you want to show some kind of support that that means necessarily you have to send money my way. Again, sending some kind of feedback into my email at letters at flatlandfiction.com really goes a long way. Um, once again, uh, it's getting close to October, uh, Halloween season, so I thought I would shift gears a little bit and do kind of a tale of horror, uh, or of horror of the type that I, I enjoy. I've never been one who gets very excited for movies that's kind of more about violence and gore than really about spooky, creepy things that go bump in the night. So I think this story is a good example of the kind of horror that I like that more or less simmers below the surface that doesn't necessarily have swinging machete blades or chainsaws in it. Uh, this story is called Opal, Is That You? And with it, we'll kick off a uh, string of darker stories for the Halloween season after getting through a couple of science fiction ones. Anyway, this will be episode number 14. I hope you like the story, and I hope that it encourages you to go back to my official website and check out the archive of my previous podcast. Okay, so that's enough here at the beginning. Here it is, episode 14, Opal, Is That You? Opal, Is That You? Who said you can't turn back the clock? Mallory Howard purred in the fading sunlight seeping through the hotel room's window. She felt reborn standing nude in the day's final light. Mitchell was right. They needed only a sudden trip into the northern woods, an unplanned retreat from the schedules crowded with responsibilities to resummon the passion both feared long lost in their marriage. Perhaps it was just as Mitchell said. If they could not rediscover those strangers they had been a decade ago, before their love had frosted in the ch following chill, then perhaps they could become new people. Mitchell smiled from his pillow. Why don't you come back to bed? We could stop time for a little longer. I'm tingling in anticipation. Mallory took a deep, contented breath and paused long enough to enjoy the view one more time before returning to bed. The lake's deep blue waters swayed beneath the moon. The sun's falling rays splintered into thousands of golden mirrors dancing upon the water. Mallory smiled and imagined the shape of her reflection should she walk to the lake's shore. Would she recognize herself after only one afternoon of lovemaking in a small, private hotel so many miles off of the interstate? Or would she fail to see any change to her reflection at all? She couldn't have imagined herself standing nude in front of a window only a few days ago. She would not have been so foolish or so brave. And though the hotel was so secluded, though its view upon the lake was so private, Mallory felt there was a motivation she couldn't yet describe that gave her such confidence to stand exposed before that northern lake and the forest surrounding it. Isn't it even better than we hoped? Mitchell pat his bed beside him. No outside world. No deadlines. No clients. No surprises. Only us. 
and whatever we want to do with the time. Mallory closed the window's thick curtain before stretching back into bed. She felt Mitchell's heat against her, how her shape and scent aroused her husband as it had so many years ago. Can we go ahead and rent the room for the night? Mallory nuzzled into her husband, planting kisses down Mitchell's neck, trailing them lower upon his chest. Mitchell rolled upon Mallory and filled his hand with the deep black of his wife's hair. Sure we can. I doubt this hotel ever turns off the blinking vacancy light. There wasn't another car in the lot, and it's so far off the main road. We'll stay however long we like. Mallory arched her hips into her husband. Ashamed to think a room like this goes to waste. It was a room Mitchell and Mallory Howard were not in the habit of renting. Thick, umber carpet massaged the toes. Heavy, golden curtains swallowed any of the light attempting to seep through the windows. A bubbling hot tub gurgled in the adjoining bathroom. Exaggerated notions of sophisticated style from four decades long past crowded that small hotel's romantic suite, and such decor glared loudest from the ceiling. A wide chandelier of looping chains suspended from the ceiling center, a cephalopod of plastic pearls and glass gems that shattered the room's light into a sea of blue and yellow twinkles. Polished mirrors occupied the remainder of the ceiling space. Mallory breathed into her husband's ear. You know, we could bring a few of these mirrors home. I'll make sure to stop at the hardware store on the way back, Mitchell grinned. Only a few days ago, before setting out upon their adventure into the northern woods, the Mitchells would never have dreamed themselves a couple whose preferences leaned towards plastic tastes and glass desires. Yet had they not hoped their spontaneous trip would encourage them to brave such tastes? A decade of marriage had transformed them into a couple they hardly recognized in the mirror. Contentment didn't accompany the consistency that anchored their days. The kisses with which they greeted each other in the morning vanished. Children did not arrive with the lovemaking that had been so easy at the start of their marriage. And careers masked the disappointment until neither cared for lovemaking at all. Casual banter over dinners of mashed cauliflower and sauceless pork chops surrendered to the silence of frozen pizza and fish sticks. The Howard's appetites faded until Mitchell and Mallory hardly touched one another at all. Only an ember remained of what once smoldered between the two. It was a heat that had no outlet in love, and so instead found release in hurt. Accusations of broken promises, skeletons dragged from the closets, curses snarled at sunset. And then one morning, Mitchell and Mallory Howard stared long into the mirrors that hung over the dual sinks of their master bedroom. They looked deeply into that glass and realized that their separation might only be dodged with change. If they were to remain together, they needed to become, if not the young lovers they had been long ago, then a different kind of people for the future. Mallory moaned at Mitchell's touch. And if you do that again to me, I will do that other thing for you. We've gone back in time. Mitchell sighed as Mallory touched him back. To a day before we became too timid to name such electric sensations. Mallory swooned and stared upon the ceiling of mirrors hanging overhead. She smiled to see the woman her husband's love made her, a woman flushed with the blood and the warmth, who still glowed no matter the weight 
gathered with the years. A woman whose energy still pulsed through her heart, still filled with the pungent blood. She wondered if before that afternoon she had ever been the woman reflected in the mirror above her. Footsteps beyond the hotel door disturbed Mallory's sleep. She groaned at the sound of shoes crunching along the asphalt of the hotel parking lot. At first, she gave the noise little alarm. Surely, the sound of footsteps deep in the night at a small roadside hotel shouldn't have been alarming. Those steps likely announced the arrival of young lovers searching for hourly rooms. Perhaps, those steps were those shuffled by an exhausted driver seeking shelter. Yet the noise of those footfalls refused to recede after Mallory twisted again into her mattress and concentrated upon the returning to her dreams. The cadence didn't stop. Nor could Mallory see any indication of a shadow floating upon the curtain slung over the hotel room's front window. In the moments of silence that arrived predictably in the rhythm of the outer feet, Mallory nearly discovered her rest. Only the footfalls failed to reach any stop, until anxiety crowded into the blankets next to Mallory. Had they locked the car doors? Had they rented a room routinely used for drug deals or for private fixes? Did Mitchell latch the deadbolt? How strong was the chain? What would they do if they heard something truly terrible through the walls? Mallory forced herself to breathe. These were the worries of the old Mallory of the woman Mallory vowed to abandon upon that trip taken to the northern woods. She shook her head. Mitchell slept soundly, safely, beside her. She was returning to her old foolishness to fret so much upon footfalls outside the door. Eventually, Mallory drifted back to sleep, though the march of feet continued outside. Mitchell! Mallory bolted upright in bed. Her heart raced. Sweat pasted her hair to her forehead. Her eyes widened, struggling to see through the darkness in the direction of the hotel's bolted door. Mitchell! She swore she heard a knock. She swore she felt the wall shake from a pounding at the door. Mitchell groaned and rested a hand upon Mallory's shoulder. What is it? I heard someone knocking at the door. Mitchell took a breath. Did they knock more than once? Mallory's eyes remained fixed upon that door. Just the once, but I think whoever knocked is still outside. I've heard footsteps all night. Mitchell grunted and rose from the bed. He moved slowly to the front window, shaking the cobwebs from his mind. He pulled the curtain aside and revealed an empty parking lot. Whoever it may have been, he's gone now. Mitchell dropped the curtains and turned towards the bed. Make sure to check the door. I'm sure it's locked, Mal. It'll help me sleep better. Mallory listened to the rattle of the door's chain, heard the deadbolts click. Everything's locked tight. Mitchell returned to bed. Mallory lay back and gazed at her dark reflection in the overhanging mirrors. The shadows shrouded much of her detail. Had she only imagined the knot, had even the footsteps been real. Mallory stared into those mirrors for much of a long hour, wondering when exactly she had become a woman filled with so much anxiety. 
did such persistent, haunting fear come naturally with the years. She had promised Mitchell, had promised herself, to leave that old Mallory behind. She needed to relax. She had to learn how to meet life with more courage. She pulled the sheet tightly to her chin to shelter herself from the air conditioner's biting chill, and sleep slowly returned to Mallory Howard, a restless slumber that twisted and turned in search of a deeper dreams that night refused to grant her. And then, with a whisper and a breath, there was a voice at the foot of Mallory's bed. Opal, is that you? Mallory again bolted upright. Her eyes gaped at the shadow standing at the foot of her bed. She attempted to scream as that darkness, shaped like a man, leaned over the bed and stretched a hand towards her. But her throat clutched whatever sound her racing heart desired to shout. Shaking, Mallory screamed until a throat turned to fire, until a wail finally burst from her lungs. Jesus, Mallory! Mitchell jumped out of his bed. Slapping at the light switches, he flooded the room in the chandelier's light. The man of shadow vanished in the glare. Desperate to see where he had hid, Mallory scanned the mirrors on the ceiling. Yet none of those reflections betrayed any intruder's shape. She gasped as Mitchell pulled at the window's curtains to reveal the outer parking lot remained empty. What is it, Mal? Mallory trembled. There was a man standing at the foot of my bed. Take a breath. Mallory shook her head. It wasn't a dream. He almost grabbed me. Mitchell inspected the door. The locks are just how I left them. A fire sparked in Mallory's eyes. Don't you dare tell me I'm crazy. There was a man. You've been under a lot of pressure, Mal, Mitch returned. Both of us have, with our jobs, with everything. You mean us, with the pressure of us? Mitchell held up a hand. I didn't say that. We agreed we weren't going to put that kind of pressure on this trip. We agreed just to see it as a vacation. Mallory frowned. And see it as what else, Mitch? Go ahead, say it. As the therapy it is? I'm terrified, and you sit next to me and just shake your head, as if I'm just crazy. Mallory stomped into the bathroom and returned wrapped in jeans and a jacket. She paced through the room, retrieving bits of discarded clothing from the carpet and tossing them into the suitcase near the door. What are you thinking, Mal? We're not staying here. Mallory crumpled up a blouse and slammed it into a suitcase. It's not safe. Mitchell rubbed his eyes. They had certainly not agreed to their vacation for the sake of further fighting. It would be morning soon enough. He only needed to remain patient with Mallory. Only yesterday, their adventure into the northern woods had started so well. You're not going to say anything? You're not going to argue? Mallory asked as Mitchell began patching, packing his clothes as well. I'm not going to say anything. Mallory smiled, though her hand still shook. Not even about the cost of the hotel room? Mitchell winked. We only rented by the hour, Mal. And less than ten minutes later, the Howards rolled further into the northern woods, miles of back highway passing beneath them as they drove through the early morning. Mallory was relieved to think of those miles distancing herself from that hotel as she peeked into the rearview mirror. She frowned, however, as she considered the reflection that there greeted her. Were those the first strands of gray hair marking her dark locks? Was that crease across her forehead there the day before? When had those bags first gathered beneath her eyes? Mallory shook off the gloom that threatened her mood. 
She had simply not slept well. The night had been long. Before she knew it, she would see her younger self smiling back upon her from the mirror. I'm so sorry, Mal. Mitchell held his wife's hand as Mallory leaned over the pontoon boat's railing and vomited into the lake. I just remembered how much fun we used to have on the water when we first started dating. I thought it might bring back some great memories. I feel terrible. Mallory smiled, though doing so tasted bitter. Likely not as terrible as I do, but it was a great idea, Mitch. The view is wonderful. I just hate seeing you sick, Mal. Mallory saw Mitchell frown as he turned to the water. He had arranged the boat trip that morning, a meandering, slow float along a series of small and connected northern lakes. Not a single cloud threatened rain, and the morning's brisk breeze succeeded in chasing away much of the alarm that had haunted Mallory through the dark, early morning as they drove away from that small hotel so many miles off of the interstate. Mitchell had hoped the float trip would provide a quiet time, a chance for them to catch their breath, to enjoy something as simple as sunlight reflecting off of water. But nausea gripped Mallory soon after the pontoon boat drifted away from shore. She felt foolish. She had never experienced such sickness on the water. Nor was the nausea the worst of the morning's discomforts. A ringing pained her ears each time Mallory gazed over the waves. A dizziness made her swoon each time she attempted to look over the water to spot a loon or a turtle. Would you take a look at that lake house? Mitchell whistled as the boat floated beyond an inlet of trees to reveal the well-manicured landscape, the boat docks, the timber decks, and the brick stories filled with glistening windows of a northern lakefront mansion. It makes my head spin to imagine how much those two-speed boats must cost. Just think of having that as a second home. Mallory peeked at the home. Perhaps it was the sunlight shimmering off of the lake that accounted for her headache. They shouldn't have edged the shores with all those rocks, Mallory winced. Mitchell frowned. What are you talking about? They destroyed whatever filtration system they had with all those rocks, Mallory continued. The reeds and grasses that grow naturally along the shore would help keep some of the lawn fertilizers those homes are spraying on their grass from seeping into the lake. Some might think that all those rocks help beautify the shore, maybe increase property value, but they're killing the lake. All those lawn chemicals will add up until the loons and the turtles have no place to go. Mitchell shook his head. You always have something. Well, it's true. Whatever, Mitchell sighed. I can't help but wonder how people make so much money to build those kinds of homes. Mallory didn't try to think of a reply. She recognized when Mitchell didn't want his questions to be answered. Even the reflection looks expensive, Mal. Mallory gazed into the lake's waters, though that ringing in her ears hammered and a pain throbbed behind her eyes. Something in the lake's smeared surface seemed off. The waters fractured her reflection into a thousand pieces. The rolling waves distorted her shape. Was there really so much gray sprinkled among her dark locks? When had her face gained so much weight? Why did her features appear so swollen? She didn't remember her skin appearing so pale, didn't think herself so sensitive to the sun. Staring deeper into those waves, Mallory squinted upon the reflections of her eyes, and she could not understand why the waters turned them gray rather than the usual emerald green.
Mallory retched before leaning back into the boat and turning away from the waters. She must have eaten something that soured her stomach. Mallory shivered. Was she catching a fever? We probably couldn't afford to buy even a boathouse on this lake, Mitchell sighed as the boat floated past the lakeshore mansion. A new bitterness coated Mallory's tongue. The promises they had made on the outset of their vacation proved so easy to break. They had promised to set aside the cutting inferences and the snide comments. But now, Mitchell clubbed Mallory with his regret. They had relocated numerous times in the span of their marriage. They had followed the opportunity Mallory's diligent work earned, taking the doors her night classes opened for her. They had not followed Mitchell's dreams because Mitchell had never displayed the discipline nor the desire to develop aspirations of his own. He had never invested to develop a talent. He had never trained to learn her skill. He never did any of those things if it was ever possible to pick up a dime doing something else. And so Mitchell chased each glittering thing until he filled his pockets with nickels. Why wouldn't they follow Mallory's opportunity? Mallory knew she had become a crutch for Mitchell's weakness. She knew she had become that excuse for the lake homes Mitchell never built. Mitchell could only admire the view from a distant boat. He recognized only the beauty of facades without ever calculating the cost of building foundations. It's not like we're poor, Mitch. Mitchell faced Mallory with a frown, but then he remembered what they had hoped the vacation might return to them, and he forced a crooked smile. You're right, Mal. It's just that I thought it would be somewhere else by now. Not sure if I expected more, but I expected something different. And Mitchell gazed into the water. But I suppose you can't deny the face the mirror gives you each morning. Mallory held her stomach, and Mitchell returned to admiring the estates erected upon the shore. The boat's guide cut the tour short to help Mallory's sickness, and the Howards politely declined the guide's invitation for a parting beer before crumpling back into their car. By sunset, they had roared many miles further into the dense northern woods, the falling sun flashing between the trees that flickered beyond their windows. Mal? Mitchell set his shimmering wine glass upon the table and leaned towards Mallory. Mal, are you there? She's waiting on your order. The young waitress nervously cleared her throat. I can return in a few minutes if you need a bit more time. Mitchell clasped Mallory's wrist. Her skin felt cold. Her arms looked pale. He tried to gauge whatever emotion was churning behind Mallory's eyes, but his wife raised her menu in front of her face before he, he could discern the reason for her, uh, for her unease. I had it just a minute ago. Mallory bit at her lower lip. It's only slipped my mind. Could you repeat the specials? Mitchell sipped his wine and scanned the dining room as the server repeated the long list of nightly specials. He had hoped that a fine dinner at a fine restaurant perched upon another northern lake would finally soothe Mallory's agitation. He was disappointed that the view had failed. Tall and polished windows stretched upon three of the dining room's walls, providing the wonderful vista of one of the chain's largest lakes as its waves swayed to the pole of the rising moon. Golden boat lights drifted across the window glass in the falling daylight floating to the dining room, where they bounced and sparkled along tables crowded with fine silverware and crystal glass. Mitchell thought the ambience lovely. 
and he hated to think that his marriage with Mallory had strayed into such tepid waters that they could no longer share whatever romance might still be discovered in those woods. Mallory quickly blurted before the server reached the end of her last specials. I'll take the stuffed chicken breast. The server scratched across her notepad. Potatoes or vegetables? Mallory's eyes drifted through the room. Ah, uh, potatoes. Mashed, baked, sweet potatoes or french fries? I don't know, Mallory stammered. French fries. Steak or shoestring? For God's sake, Mitchell growled. Just bring my wife some french fries. The startled server stared at Mitchell for a second before regathering her composure and hurrying towards the kitchen. Mitchell exhaled a breath while the neighbors at the surrounding tables peeked quickly, sheepishly, in his direction. I know, Mal. Mitchell fidgeted with his cloth napkin. I shouldn't have been short with the server. I know I promised to be more patient, especially on this trip. Mallory betrayed no indication she paid attention to her husband. Her eyes continued to wander about the room, and Mitchell watched them widen in an expression he thought looked much like panic. Mallory reached a trembling hand towards her wine glass before, upon seeming to gaze a moment upon its reflection, she pulled away from the crystal as if she nearly grasped a venomous thing. Mal? Mitchell smiled and nodded at an elderly woman behind his wife's shoulder who shifted in her chair to gain a better view of the Howard's table. What is it? You look ready to faint. Mallory suddenly lifted her hands to her face, smothering her eyes behind her palms. You'll never forgive me, Mallory sobbed. I've gone mad. It's all too much. What is too much? The trip should have freed Mallory from her stifling anxiety. The trip was supposed to bring them closer together. Their escape along those roadways, meandering through the northern forest, was supposed to at least provide a respite from the hurt and dissatisfaction that simmered just below the surface of their skin. Instead... The vacation seemed to bring the crisis to the fore. What is it, Mal? What is it you keep holding from me? That you keep holding against me? Mitchell leaned across the table. He didn't care what the old couple surrounding them in that dining room thought. He didn't care what those dyed wigs and wide ties thought of the man who clasped his wife's hands and yanked them away from her face. What is it, Mal? How have we changed? What have we become? Something was not right about Mallory's face. When had Mallory's hair frayed into curls? When had her lips faded from a plush crimson to a cold, bloodless hue? When had so many shadows gathered beneath his wife's eyes? Mitchell stared into Mallory's eyes and gasped. Mallory, what's happened to your eyes? Mallory pushed herself away from the table, shaking her head frantically as the servers rushed from the room to find help. Mallory trembled and pointed to one of the room's tall windows. It's not me, Mitchell. It's not me. Frustrated and heartbroken-hearted, Mitchell turned to gaze upon that glass. And looking into that reflection, he too trembled. Mitchell failed to recognize the woman who sat opposite of him in that reflection, but, sh but he knew that she was not Mallory. The woman reflected in the glass looked nothing like his wife. She wore Mallory's clothes, but the woman's figure stretched the fabric, her shape many sizes too large for Mallory's attire. The face in the reflection bore the furrows and wrinkles of decades. The stranger within the glass sported a tight, gray beehive of a perm 
nothing like the locks that streamed beyond Mallory's shoulders. It was an alien nose, a foreign mouth that shaped that woman's face. And the eyes were the most terrible difference. Gray eyes, dull eyes in the glass that held none of the green Mitchell so loved in Mallory's. You see her, too. Mallory stumbled into the table behind her. Her composure was rattled. She was lost. She was trapped, and she couldn't remember the direction to the door. Mitchell squinted. It's got to be some trick of the light. It's just the angles in the dining room. The reflections of so many people are just blending into one. Mallory slammed her hands upon the table and glared at her husband. She's everywhere. Mitchell followed Mallory's sweeping arm, and his heart lodged in his throat. That old woman recited in every reflection, wearing his wife's clothing, mimicking her expression, aping Mallory's stance, impersonating the fear that made his wife tremble. The stranger twinkled in each wine glass set upon the tables. Her reflection leered from the polish of every clean porcelain plate. Her alien face shook in each piece of silverware. Everywhere there was a polished reflection, there was a face of that stranger where Mallory should have been. It's a trick, Mitchell hissed. Some cruel, terrible trick. Mitchell grabbed Mallory's wrist and pulled her out of the dining room before anyone could voice a protest, throwing down a stack of crisp bills to cover the cost of the order and commotion. Mallory shook in the car. Her hands raised to shroud her eyes as she sobbed into her palms. Mitchell urged the vehicle through the curves as fast as his courage dared, desperate to put miles beneath their wheels as they roared along the road, terrified to peek into that rearview mirror, lest he catch a glimpse of a strange, unknown, old woman sitting in the passenger seat next to him where Mallory should have been. Shaken, his heart racing while Mallory sobbed, Mitchell drove through the night determined to escape those crowding trees of the northern forest. Turn the television towards the wall, whispered Mallory. Mitchell sighed. There's no light in the room at all, Mal. There's no way the screen can cast a reflection. Turn it towards the wall. Mitchell rose from the bed and shuffled through his bedroom's thick darkness. It had been nearly a week since they had returned from their fool's vacation, nearly a week since they had fled out of that crowded northern forest. Rather than mend what remained of their marriage, the trip had cast whatever pieces remained of the Howard's love into the wind. Mallory refused to move from bed. She refused to suffer anything other than darkness. She could permit no sliver of light, no crack of a sunbeam, to penetrate her window. Mitchell worried what decisions he would be forced to make should Mallory not soon recover from her terrible fright. Would Mallory ever find the courage to leave the room she filled with black, or would strangers have to be summoned to drag his wife away to a colder, clinical type of treatment? Mitchell grunted as his toe stubbed against the bed frame. Power cords and video cables nodded and twisted as he turned the television towards the wall. Returning to bed, Mitchell reached towards his wife, who only buried herself deeper into her blankets. Maybe tomorrow we'll walk downtown to that unique antique store you're so fond of, Mal. Maybe we'll get out of this gloomy house. Mallory's voice was hardly audible. It's not safe. 
All she needs is a reflection, and she'll take my place. We were exhausted, Mitchell replied. We just put too much pressure on the trip. We wanted too much. Give yourself some credit. You're a strong woman, Mal. You're still that woman I fell in love with so many years ago. It was only a trick of the light. Mallory remained silent. Mitchell closed his eyes and waited for sleep, trying his hardest to ignore his fear that he had lost his Mallory, that he had lost what he had hoped to hold with her, that he had also lost so much of himself. Mitchell Howard felt more like a stranger than he did a husband when sleep finally fell upon him. The body on Mitchell's bed did not belong to Mallory. After he awoke that morning to turn and look upon the stranger who smiled next to him in bed, after he gasped to see that terrible old woman from so many reflections grin upon the pillow next to him, after he had screamed and squeezed his fingers upon that vile woman's throat until death replaced the breath, Mitchell Howard had run about his home in panic, flooding the rooms with illumination as he ripped open curtains and switched on lights. And yet... After he had banished all of the darkness, the body of that awful stranger remained on his bed, no matter how completely he cleansed his home of its shadows. Mitchell trembled as he stood before the mirror fastened over his sink in the master bathroom adjoined to his bedroom, within sight of the corpse laying upon his bed. He dripped upon the tile while the shower steamed behind him. He could not clean the revulsion from him. The water would not wash the disgust away, and the warmth failed to quell his shivers. He stood staring at his reflection that looked back from that mirror over his sink. Something didn't appear proper in the face that stared back at him from that glass. What had the woman asked him before he had choked the life from her throat? Gerald, is that really you? Mitchell wiped the steam from the mirror's glass with a shaking hand. He squinted into the glass. There was something wrong. There was something that was not his. A something that belonged to someone else. A something in that reflection that belonged to a stranger. Suddenly, Mitchell's eyes focused upon that something while he dripped upon his tile floor. He gasped and shuddered before turning towards the bedroom to take one last, long stare at the body of the stranger which lay lifeless on his bed. Mitchell swallowed. He chased the shakes from his hands and knees before grabbing his razor and returning to the showers, heat and steam. Terrible news travels more rapidly than any other kind of news. The Howard's native community of brick two-car garage homes was no exception to that maxim, and the news rumored at the coffee shops and business offices whispered facts too terrible to shoulder. Hate taking the ribbons down, Ray, spoke one Howard neighbor to another. Hate untying them from the trees before we learn what happened to Mitchell and Mallory. But still. The other neighbor nodded. Oh, I know what you mean, Don. I hope the police would find the Howard simply vacationing out of the country. Hope the authorities would be able to explain who that dead couple was they found in the Howard home. But it's been a month since the Howards have gone missing, and after hearing those rumors from the coroner's office, these yellow ribbons tied to all our trees don't seem like much of a memorial for Mallory and Mitchell anymore. Yeah, Ray, they've come to feel more like a blight. I tell you, 
What I heard makes me shudder to see all this yellow. You think it could be true? Ray snipped a ribbon from one of his front yard's tall oaks and crumbled the yellow plastic into his pocket. I hate to think about having to judge whether it is or not, but I know Coroner Jacobs to be an honest man, Don. Then did you hear it the way I did? Ray paused. What I heard was this. Heard that the authorities have finally identified those bodies found in the Howard's home, and they don't think they belong to any of Mallory or Mitchell's family or friends. Rumor tells it the authorities had such a time identifying those bodies because they were searching among the living instead of the dead. Rumor tells it the people they found in the Howard's home have been dead for almost 20 years. Don pushed his trembling hands into his pockets. Then you heard it like I did. And I also heard those authorities couldn't believe it until they drove into the northern woods themselves and interred those coffins. Heard they didn't believe it when they opened those boxes and found them both empty. Well, Don, let's not think of it anymore. It's too ghoulish. And so all of the Howard's neighbors removed the yellow ribbons from their trees. Mallory and Mitchell had been good, quiet people. Though those neighbors wished they would spot the Howard's car pulling back into their home's drive to dispel the terrible rumors the couple's disappearance spawned, none in that community argued against the wisdom of tearing those yellow ribbons down. For the news was so terrible, and it was best to quickly forget that Mallory and Mitchell Howard had ever been, lest they would have to consider what in the end had seemingly replaced them. That concludes this episode of the Flatland Fiction Podcast featuring the story, Opal, Is That You? Please remember to visit my official website at www.flatlandfiction.com and check out the archives of the previous podcasts that I have posted there for your listening. Uh, once more, thank you for checking this podcast out. I hope you enjoyed the story, and I'm going to get back at it so I can have another story posted real soon. Thank you. Thank you.